So today we will <coughs> be looking at a comparative study. Um, so we'll be reading from two portions of scripture. The first is Nehemiah chapter 2. Nehemiah chapter 2 from verse 1 to 10. Nehemiah chapter 2 from verse 1 to 10. Nehemiah chapter 2 from verse 1 to 10. I hope we are there. I'll begin <coughs> reading. <coughs> in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Ataxesis, when wine was brought for him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before. So the king asked me, why does your face look so sad? When you are not ill, this can be nothing but sadness of heart. I was very much afraid, but I said to the king, May the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when my city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? The king said to me, What is it that you want? When I prayed to God, then I prayed to God, to the God of heaven, and I answered the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah, where my ancestors are buried, so that I can rebuild it. Then the king, with the queen sitting beside him, asked me, how long will your journey take, and when will you get back? It pleased the king to send me, so I set a time. I also said to him, if it pleases the king, may I have letters to the governors of Trans-Euphrates so that they will provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Judah? And may I have a letter to Asaph, keeper of the royal park, so he will give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple and for the city wall and for the residence I will occupy and because the gracious hand of my god was on me the king granted my requests so i went to the governors of the trans euphrates and gave them the king's letters the king had also sent army officers and cavalry with me when sanballat the horonite and tobiah the ammonite official heard about this they were very much disturbed that someone had come to promote the welfare of the Israelites. Our second reading is from the epistle of 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, from verse 1 to 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, from verse 1 to 8. And I read. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God, that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe tr trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. 
And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves, first of all, to the Lord, and then by the will of God, also to us. So we urged Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, sorry, um, so we urged Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also a completion, this act of grace, on your part. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace, in this grace of giving. I am not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your heart by comparing it with the earnestness of others. And that is God's word. Allow me to invite our very own Pastor Kasim, who will be sharing with us from the word of God today. Just allow, allow me to pray for him as well. Our Lord and Savior Jesus, we are grateful so much for the privilege of sitting at your feet and gleaning from your word. We thank you, Lord, for such a time as this, your appointed Pastor Kasim. And may he be in your hands an instrument of total surrender, like this microphone is in mine, to reverberate the very heart of God to your people. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, we pray. Amen. So good morning, church. Quite a number of you here uh, courageously uh, made it uh, within a very short notice. We didn't expect many people after we say that the doors are open. Of course, we know it's very short notice, and some of you couldn't prepare. And those that are watching from home, and those that will watch us later, others in cars and in hospitals, and, uh, and probably even in, uh, in prisons where you're trusting God for a way out, we welcome you so very much. My name is uh, uh, Pastor Kasim Abednego. And I love the Lord Jesus Christ as my personal savior, one of the pastors uh, in this church, Nairobi Baptist Church, Ongatarongai. I am just uh, wondering um, what uh, Ochenge uh, you mean, because I think you have written here to say that um, COVID has tied our legs and made us like chicken, and when we are freed, we still feel tied. Hey, okay. Um, and, and, and probably it just means um, that uh, sometimes uh, that the Lord is setting us free in very many ways. We will be sharing, I think, in two weeks' time, we'll have a very unique service of telling the story of our victory against COVID. Most likely some pastors and a few other people might just want to come here and tell you how the sting of COVID was. And uh, we'll be, of course, beginning some series on sheltered during hard times. Meanwhile, we are now talking um, about uh, moments of giving or the grace of giving. So, um, and today's particular topic is giving of self. There is nothing sweeter to a Christian than giving for God. Is that a true sentence or a true statement? That there is nothing sweeter for a Christian than giving for God. Not necessarily giving to God, but giving for God. We have so many things that are sweet to us as Christians. But for a Christian, giving for God, that should be the greatest thing. And we give to God and for God, knowing very well that you can never outgive God. You will never give more than God can give you. If it is a game 
of giving, it is like a ball that you throw to the other person and the ball comes back to you and you'll find that you will never outdo God. And every time I talk about the secret of giving, because it is one of those keys that a Christian requires, so that you can go to the storehouse of many blessings, heavenly blessings. And therefore, although it is a time that is a time of sadness and a time of uh, difficulties, rather than just touch on those, we can talk about a key that if you understand it, you go to the storehouse and you're highly blessed. But every time I talk about this secret, I remember the story of the tortoise and chicken, one of those old uh, stories. And this is how it goes very briefly. We hear, of course, the story of those old uh, stories, that uh, there was a meeting that was called by um, the elephant of all the animals in the jungle. And they were supposed to come for a meeting. And so they, they, called, they called the elephant, and the elephant was given to committee members. One of, was, of them was the tortoise, and the other one was the, the chicken. So they were trying to plan, and uh, he said, now we need, the two important things is we need food for the but we also need seats when, they, when, they, when they, everybody else comes. And uh, the tortoise was, uh, boss, I have a uh, chairman, I have a suggestion. I am going to mobilize all the tortoise, uh, are they called tortoises? The plural is tortoises, okay. Okay, okay. All my clans, all my, 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 my fellow tatoists, them will come. And they will provide, they will just need to hide their head, and all of you can sit on the tatoises and you go home. But my friend here, the chicken, is also here. Please, we don't have to waste a lot of time in this meeting. Because... The chicken, uh, he, she can call all the other chicken and provide food uh, for us during uh, the meeting. Now, the chicken responded, Pastor Koti, and said, no, wait a minute. Mr. Tatoise, yours is a case of involvement, while mine is a case of commitment. That you will bring the tortoises, we sit on them, and they go back to their homes. While I bring my chicken only to be slaughtered, and that's the end of their story. So yours is a case of involvement, while mine is a case of commitment. And you know, serving God will call for commitment, not just involvement. Two stories to share today to demonstrate this will be the story of Nehemiah, as we find in uh, chapter 2, verse 1 to 10. We've just heard that. And then we compare with the story that is told by Paul, in, by Apostle Paul, uh, of Macedonians in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 to, to 8. Of course, it has been read, so we can only summarize so that we get a few tips on this key of giving of self. Nehemiah's story is one of the total commitment. He had a voice. He had a voice like a call through his brother who brought a story about Jerusalem. And Nehemiah is in Citadel, in the city of the king, living in a great favor. And he is famous and he's a favorite of the king. And therefore there should be nothing that should bother him. He was in a comfort zone in Citadel. 
And a report of Jerusalem wall saddened him very much because the brother said, you know what? Because he wanted to know about the remnants. He was told they are there, but they are naked. They are in great danger from the enemies because the wall that would protect them is already down. And um, imagine the suffering of God's remnants. He forgot about his comfort. Focused on Jerusalem, a wallless city. Just like the city that we are in today. That you receive a call and you understand that someone makes you understand. The call could come from the pulpit. The call could come from the newspaper writings. The call could come from anything. That the city is wallless. That the city of our young, our young people is wallless. That, our, that it is very hard today for a student to complete university clean and pure. And therefore, where are we going to get ministers tomorrow? Where are we going to get great leaders tomorrow? That it is very hard for a young person to complete high school pure before the Lord. And when the call comes to you, the city of the young people, the city of marriage people, that we have marital problems, that marriages are breaking, and people are no longer happy in marriage, yet God instituted marriage, and marriage is supposed to be sweet and enjoyable. And when the Lord calls you to the cry of a wallless city, the city that the Holy Spirit draws to you, you feel just like Nehemiah. The city of Citadel. His king at Texas was too tough to be approached, even after he has received the call. So it took Nehemiah about four months just to tell the king. He was waiting. But this waiting is common, a common denominator for everyone who God calls. If the Lord is calling you to music ministry, you might find yourself having waited a little bit. You don't know how to talk to pastor. You don't know how to talk to, G, uh, to, to Gijo or now to, to Dr. Wade, who is, who is now the, the main leader of, of the music ministry. You do not know how to even go. And sometimes, although you don't, you're not scared, you might have to wait. Israel waited in desert for 40 years before they could find their destination. Moses waited 40 years in the desert before he could become useful as a useful leader. Actually, 40 years he begins, but he waits 40 years and he comes very late. Gray hair, and he's thinking, how can I be of use? Paul waited three years in the Arabian desert before he can come back and become a great apostle. Jesus waited 30 years growing incognito before he could begin this wonderful ministry. Nehemiah is waiting for four months. What was he doing in these four months? One, there are three Ps, three things that he was doing in four, three letters. One of them, he was waiting in prayer and fasting. What was he praying for? He was praying that the king's heart would be softened so that he can hear him because the call and the compelling that he has is too much for an all. He was praying and fasting. Number two, he was waiting patiently, waiting for the provision. Because he knew if I had to go and rebuild the wall, it cost a lot of money I do not have. It cost for timber, which I do not have. He 
patiently waiting for provision. Number three, he was waiting planningly. So to put, if there's English like that, but planningly, he was pl planning. He was not just waiting like that. He was praying. He was patiently waiting, but he was also planning, making his foundations very clear. When he went to the king, the king quickly asked him, tell me what you want. He told him, I already know what I want. I need letters to the governors so that they give me clear passage. Number two, I need God, people to guard us. I need people to walk with us. I also need a place to sleep. And I also need letters so that people can give me timber. King, all authority is yours. I need timber to go and do this work. When the Lord asked him, when he made a way, Nehemiah was completely ready. But that is not all. I look at a three kind of, I think three partners here in this, in this, in this whole uh, uh, mission here. Number one, I see God. God who gave the grace. Number two, I see King Atessas who gave provision for the things he wanted. Number three, I see Nehemiah who gave himself. So, the king is giving provisions for the timber and everything else. God is providing grace. But the only thing that is remaining is self. God was looking for a man who would give himself. Totally. To go out of his way, to get out of his comfort zone, to lose his influence and just go to do the work of the Lord. And Paul is hard teaching Corinthians about the grace of giving when he tells them about the story of Macedonia. This is where we're going to spend more time. And he's talking about the motives. He's also talking about the benefits of giving to God and for God. Responding to the kingdom need. Now this case study of Macedonian brethren is aimed at inspiring towards a grace of giving. Bible scholars like calling it Christian liberality. That like the Christian liberality is the culture of giving, generosity. And uh, he shows results of giving in chapter 9. That when you give, number one, you are gracing yourself. That you are actually commanding blessings to you when you give. When you give, it shall come back to you. Number two, when you give, you are actually gifting the poor. The poor shall be blessed. The poor shall rise up and go. And when you look later, they will say, this is the Lord's doing. So number three, the Lord shall be glorified. That if you give to the Lord, and if you give for God, there are three things that a Christian is looking for. Three G's. Number one, grace. You are gracing yourself because you are going to be blessed as you give. Number two, gifts. You are giving a gift to the poor. Who will, number three, say, this is the Lord's doing. The Lord himself will be glorified. But as you look at the end, you are now at the beginning. How do you do this? Paul remembers the Macedonian call, which is recorded in Acts chapter 16, verse 6 to 10. If you look at um, verse 9, especially that one, he saw a vision. Paul saw a vision. When he was on his way, now the second uh, missionary journey of Paul, 
He was planning with his team to go a different direction, but he saw a vision. Macedonia city was very poor. And people were dying out of depression and very many things. They were suffering. They were persecuted and there were a few Christians. So they were asking, where do we get a missionary? Where do we get an apostle? Where do we get a catalyst for the gospel? Because this city requires Jesus who comforts and gives them help and encouragement. So he is, they are calling, they are crying, and their cry was heard by God. Whom enabled the Holy Spirit to, to give Paul a vision, and he saw a man standing in front of him and telling him, come over here to Macedonia and help us. That is what has now become famously known as the Macedonian call. Paul, come here and help us. Now he thought because they are poor, he was going to help them with money and food. So he was busy collecting money. As he went from the churches, from the, from the believers, he thought that they needed money. How wrong he was. They only wanted the gospel. When he reached Macedonia, he was surprised. And he gives a story of how he was surprised. This is the story we share today. The story of giving of self. This time... We don't analyze Paul like we have analyzed Nehemiah, how he gave himself. This time Paul describes the giving of the Macedonian, which means they were giving to them, they were giving themselves to God. And we see three things here that we run home with. Number one, what is it that we need to learn from the Macedonians about giving? Three things. One, they gave out of poverty. They gave more during their seasons of suffering. Number two, they gave in genuine love. Number three, sorry, yeah, number three is genuine love. So number two is they gave themselves first. So number one, gave out of poverty. Number two, they gave themselves first. And number three, they gave in genuine love. This will be the greatest secret that you can discover, believer. How to give yourself to God, giving up yourself away so that he can use you. Then you are commanding blessings. Then you are gifting the poor. Then you are part of the alliance that is bringing glory to God so that you increase, you decrease as the Lord himself increases. Verse 2 to verse 4 that we have read this morning we realize that the Macedonians, Paul is telling them, the grace that I have seen in Macedonia is that they are very much poor. They were in deep oppression because they were overtaxed. There was a, the taxation system was so much, so bad there, that their earnings were less than their expenditure. How, by the way, how is your budget? How do you budget or you just live? Um, I, I hope you have a budget. I remember very well before I got married that uh, as a young man, I used to come up with like a small budget which was always in my wallet. I went with it everywhere, even at night. I kept it somewhere here. And because I knew that the money that I earned was so little, I wrote in French because those days I, I could remember my French very well. 
So I wrote in French so that even if the wallet falls, Pastor Cote, you can never see what I'm writing. But the first thing in, um, in, the, the, in the budget was dear, the money going to God. So it was 10% of everything I got, it was there. And I had to tick at the end of the month, God. Number two was rent. Number three was food. Number four was parents because they really needed my help and family. And number five was social, including clothes. I knew which month I would buy clothes. Then later, I discovered that I was so wrong, uh, I should have written the saving. So saving should be there. So how, how is your budget? Or oh, you just live and live and live and you find yourself out of the jungle. But, but these guys, actually their pay slip was so bad that their, their income was always less than their expenditure. And so Paul thought that I have already brought collections, but these guys say, wait a minute, we are actually going to give. And the way they gave, they were the most generous church that he had ever seen. Of course, he was a church planter. He knew about all the other churches and their records. But they had a formula. You remember what he had said? They had a formula. The formula was J plus P equals G. J plus P equals G. What is that? Joy added to poverty increased generosity. That was the formula. J plus P equals G. That when, even when you are poor, you can give more because you give joyfully. I have come to discover, but that is my problem. You, you don't have that problem. You are better than me. But this was my problem. I realized that when I, am, when I have nothing in my account, bank account, that is the time I want to give towards missions more and more. That's when I want to help the poor more and more because I realize even if I say there is nothing much it can do. But watch, wait when I have like a million, million, like um, a million shillings, from half a million to a million shillings going forward. I know very well God has given this money so that I can buy a car. God has given me this money so that I buy a plot. Otherwise, if I misuse it, I am a fool. So that is the time I say that God is touching others to give you. Because I have a mission, God has given me this money. Because the money is meaningful. When I am poorer, that's when I support more. I remember those days, Pastor Koti, in my, that small budget. That is when I've remembered. I used to support three people in Campus Crusade for Christ, which used to be called Life Ministry. And I was sending money to them and receiving their, their, their reports. A young boy, a small boy, in my early 20s, 22 to be particular. And I am supporting because I know that this little cannot do much. I can only invest in the kingdom. One day, some souls will come to the Lord. When I look back and realize that I have not saved much in my account, I will look at many souls, probably people who are getting a call to ministry, and I will say that my money actually went into an investment. But later, I discovered I could not support them. And they increased, the, the income was uh, becoming triple. And I could not because I had many more other things to do. But the Macedonians had this formula. Poverty plus joy equals generosity. No wonder. I mean, how can we be given a story like this to analyze when it has no impact? It has a lot of impact in my life looking at it. The season of poverty is the season of grace. Look at Rongai, those that are watching. There is a church here called Nairobi Baptist Church, Ongata Rongai. 
This year, we were given a challenge at a time when most of our congregants have lost their jobs, when others have retired, when others are aging, and we are given a challenge that we looked at it like this with the leaders here and said, wait a minute. Where do they think that we can raise this money? Do they know how many of us do not have income? But during the year, the first four months, we have given a hundred, almost a hundred and thirty. And I have seen some money still coming. We are likely to get to a hundred and forty percent. Where has this money come from? The season of our lowest is the season that we have given more. And I want to tell you that I can assure you, without a doubt, I am not guessing. I am completely convinced this shall be the year that Nairobi Baptist Church and Atarongai congregants will recover their jobs. Definitely because this is the formula that the year that we have given more is the year of revival. This is the year that we shall complete studies. This is the year that we shall be re revived. This is the year that we shall be renewed. There is no doubt about that because it is God who promised and he's not a man that he should lie. When he says give and it shall come back to you, it will definitely come back. And we have realized that the momentum for giving is so much that now we have lined up as many other projects. We will say this one is available because it sounds like a Macedonian call. The call that Nehemiah received. And we are going to respond even when we do not seem to be very rich. I saw a church in Adi River where they said now we have become many. And the, the building is so small. Everybody is going to give to the Lord. And the day of the Arambe, people brought things. I remember one guy brought the only car he had. He brought to the church and gave the, the, the key to the pastor. I remember another who brought the only sweater that he had. He had only one, one sweater. And he brought to the Lord a sweater. I used sweater. I, I don't know what he was thinking. He said, this is all I have. He brought to the Lord. I remember another guy brought a very old radio. The only radio he had in, in his home. Remember, the, the phones did not have a, uh, the kind of phones, uh, you know, in the earlier days. He brought the only thing he had. That is the year the Lord expanded the church. The Lord multiplied the population of the church from around 400 to about 1,400, 1, the same year. And the Lord was increasing. The Lord's presence remained in that church. Tell you, the Macedonians came out of their poverty, and the grace of God has become a story that the apostle can bring to Corinthians. Number two, they gave themselves first in verse five. David Livingstone once, once said this, when a soul loves God supernaturally, God's interest and his become one. When a soul loves the Lord super, supernaturally or supremely, the interest of God and the interest of that soul become one. They start seeing things together. They start seeing kingdom need together. They start thinking about Jerusalem and the city of Jerusalem and citadel ceases to become important. Their formula was self first plus lesser gifts equals complete surrender. That if you do not have to give to God your things without giving yourself first. So they went a notch higher. They gave out of poverty during their lowest season. But was, that was not it. They also gave themselves first. They gave 
themselves first before the lesser gifts. The car, the Mercedes Benz that you can bring to church is less than yourself first. The time that you give is less than yourself first. They, they get themselves first in verse 5. This is why Paul can write a whole letter to be read by all believers until Jesus returns because it's a very big story of giving themselves first. That the, le the, less, the less you give yourself, the less complete surrender we can deduce. That you have not yet surrendered enough if you cannot give yourself first before you can give the lesser gifts. They gave themselves to God, but also to, to Paul, the apostle, because he was the agent of the transaction. Because the questions will go to Paul so that it can go to do the work of God. So they were there and they were actually giving, they allowed the Holy Spirit and the apostle so that they can be sure the open doors for kingdom. You need, you are looking for a chance and you know when you serve the Lord, in the ministry, in the pastoral ministry in the past, I have just laughed. I have seen people who do not know what it means to give yourself to the Lord. That if you are in music ministry, or you are in the growth group, or you are in the men ministry, if you are offended by a person, say, yeah, I can leave. I can leave you. You know, a church is not a place to bembeleza people. You know, a church is an, an opportunity for you to get a key to serve the Lord with joy. In fact, you are disciplined and you kneel down. You are even excommunicated and you sit in the church and you wait for the period of excommunication and you are restored and you joyfully grab the opportunity to serve the Lord. Every time I have joined a church and I've given, been given an appointment letter, one thing I have decided and I've always done is I will look at the appointment letter. Pastor Koti, have you ever known that? If I'm given an appointment letter as a pastor, I will not look at the appointment letter. I'll show me where to sign. I sign. Why? I, because I don't want to sign because of the salary and the support that there is. I just sign. Why? Because I want to thank you for giving me a chance to serve the Lord. If the, if the Salary or allowance is too little, no problem. That is just a small gift. The problem, the balance, is the problem of the Lord. I might have to adjust. I might have to, to shift from this house to this house. I might have to get children from this school to this school. And there's no problem. That is the problem of the Lord. If he brings resources, I can adjust again. But one thing I know that I have a chance to serve the Lord. I have never looked at the salary. They have always asked me, you have not read. Why should I read? All I wanted is a chance to serve the Lord because I left everything else to come and serve the Lord. And finally, they gave in genuine love. They gave not in competition with others, verse 6 to 8. Paul is kind of bringing a small competition, eh? He was telling the Macedonians about the forwardness of uh, Corinthians. Because the Corinthians brethren were moving forward, capturing the city of Corinth. Why? Why? Because the gospel was already there. The environment was already good. But the Macedonians were not as forward, but they were graciously giving. So he tells the Corinthians, 
about the grace of giving for the Macedonians, but he's also telling the Macedonians about the forwardness of the Corinthians. Now, he wants them to encourage one another not to compete with one another. So, they gave not in competition with others. They gave that which belonged to God. Not how much of my things do I give, but how much of God's things do I take to be mine. Did you hear that? The original thought I heard was that you give God 10%. That is his. The rest is mine. I can take a few bottles of whiskey, a few bottles of this, because I've given to God. He needs 10%. Take. I, li I, I think you like 10%. Take your 10%. The rest is mine. Is it really yours? Any time. The accident on the road. There are trees that can fall on the, on the way as you go. Even when you're feeling very nice, branches can fall. Is it really yours? Jobs can go. Businesses can collapse. So you think God wants only 10%? Of course, that's a sign of commitment. So somebody said, how much of God's money and possessions that I have can I take to be mine? Not the other way around. That how much of mine can I give to God? Meaning that all that you have belongs to God. Your beauty belongs to God. Your education belongs to God. Our money belongs to God. Our cows belong to God. All this is the Lord's. How much of it can I take? This week, a former Christian Union colleague in high school, in Embu, called me. And I realized that, uh, of course he was ahead of me. I realized that he has kind of launched his family. He told me that now all my children have received their degrees. I have stopped paying school fees. I earn a lot of money for sure. He's earning good money from the way he told me. And then I have bought a car. I have bought a house. I have a house. I have a home. I have some cows. I have some poultry. Next year, God willing, if I live, 50% of my income until I leave this world shall go to support missionary work. You know, I, I stopped quiet. I was quiet because I could not promise him 50% of, um, of my income given the, the kind of, uh, you know, family. Um, and, and the age, the age of my family. But 50%, uh, you know, I told him, brother, brother, we are going to have a, a Zoom a meeting uh, to talk. Um, I wanted him to leave me alone. I think about these things. But the guy has told me, and I know him, he's not a liar. He's a very straightforward man. Next year, he'll be giving God 50% of his income until he dies. Hey, am I the only one who's challenged? I'm not the only, even you. Even you, I know you're also challenged. If I live, how much is enough to give God? Let us stand up together as music team joins me here. Let me just leave you there on that mountain to feel challenged. How much of God can you take? Oh, what a scenario. May the Lord help us. May the Lord help us that one day all of us shall be a gift to God that Ben that Ben, that we have given ourselves to God, we belong to God. 
Our bodies belong to God. Our souls belong to God. Our wealth belongs to God. Our social networks belong to God. Everything we have belongs to God. How much of God can we take? Not how much of us can we give to God. That I like Nehemiah, Macedonia, and me. I can hear the Savior calling. I become a partner in the kingdom work. And I will give myself as God uh, uh, provides ways and resources. That I give my time for prayer. That I give my time even. Even to the fountain that cleanses. I give myself totally to the fountain that cleanses. So that the Lord may freely cleanse me. I give myself to the fire that refines. Whatever the Lord has in store for me next week and next month, the Lord knows what he's doing. If he has to refine me, if it has to burn a little bit, I give myself away so he can use me. I give myself away. I give my wife away. I give my children away. I give my home away. I give everything to God because this is all I can do. Everything belongs to him. I give myself away so he can use me. Yes, Lord. Take a moment. And just pray that prayer. Yes, Lord, in response, we declare and we know that this life is not our own, to you alone belongs. We give ourselves to you. And therefore, this is our prayer, Lord. I pray that you cause it to happen, that we shall come to the river of refreshment. That the one who is out there lost will give herself and himself to you for cleansing. Those that are going through trials and temptations, Father, we surrender to the fire that refines uh, faithfully and joyfully. And those that have been attacked by the spirit of meanness and ignorance that we do not give to you, that we are tied there without the secret of giving joyfully, even out of our poverty. Father, may you bring a freedom in the name of Jesus Christ. May you be freed from that spirit. May you be freed from that attitude in the name of Jesus Christ. May the grace of giving, may the secret of giving fall upon you to be freed so that you can be blessed. May the Lord heal your body. May the Lord heal your soul. May the Lord walk with you because you are good to go in the Lord. Lift up your hands before the Lord. All of you, those that are here and at home. Lord, we lift our hands before you to receive from you. And for the authority of our being able to pray, where you say that, uh, lay your hands on the sick and they will be healed. Father, I pray, laying these hands on your children for healing in the name of Jesus Christ. I lay these hands for revival in the name of Jesus Christ. I lay these hands, dear Lord, by faith for restoration, for new joy, for an opening, for an end to cry in the name of Jesus Christ. And you, wonderful children, may the Lord shine his face before you. May he protect you. May he watch over you. May he make you the head and never the tail. May he change your tears of uh, pain 
to tears of joy. May you give a testimony tomorrow of what the Lord has done. May he fight for you. May the adversaries suffer defeat. May all the altars of suffering bring a calm down now in the name of Jesus Christ. May the Lord only keep you in a fire that he desires. In the name of our Lord, who is the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. Let's give a clap unto the Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore. Amen and amen. Let's give a clap unto the Lord.